Well, hello and welcome to episode number 388 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. In this week's show, some BA passengers spend rather a long time on board an aircraft. Ryanair are accused of blackmail and United Airlines are off to Spain. Well, Mallorca anyway. Uh, in the military, the B-1 bombers were, uh, we highlighted last week start moving throughout Europe. The US Air Force's AC-130 Ghost Rider gunship gets a new test laser and a Royal Australian Navy MH-60 Seahawk ditches, thus grounding the whole fleet until the investigation is complete. So joining me across the village in the PTUK Master Suite studios uh, this week, as always, is Matt Smith. Hello, hello. Uh, uh, just read out Lee's uh, comment there that never just popped up on the screen. <laughs> I like that. What's happening? It all seems to be running smoothly. I don't like this at all. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying, Lee. No, it always runs like this. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, it's Carlos is not in the studio to disturb me or distract <laughs> me. That's what it is. Uh, yes. Hello, mate. How are you? you oh good yeah yeah it's, it's been a it's been one of those weeks where i'm i'm glad that um it's friday that's for right sure. and i've vowed never to go back to london again ever. right okay um, yes uh, well at least not this year right okay well at least not behind the wheel of a vehicle no 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 so. i think i'll stick to going by train in oh absolutely i i i'm completely with you on that one yeah <laughs> but but to be fair I'd, I'd have seen a few more sites in london that i hadn't seen before which is, which oh. is quite nice <laughs> Some historical. Oh, some right. Historical oh, I wondered if you'd been to one of those special areas again. I don't oh, know. God, no. Oh, no. no. So it's, it's, been, it's, it's been a busy week. And I'll tell you what, I, have, I must have covered a fair few hundred miles um, this week, actually. Yeah. Actually, vehicle, but, uh, Tony S has just said in the chat room the traffic was awful today. So it's, it's probably just as well you were, you were coming home to, uh, yeah, yesterday, okay. I think, by the sound of it. Yeah. Friday to traffic was always a nightmare. To be fair, we did leave uh, central London at, at um, around sort of half past four yesterday afternoon, which is probably not the best not time the ideal to leave central time London. To yeah. I think but, in reality, um, it doesn't matter what time uh, you leave London, it's no. always going to be a bit poo. Uh, and on the subject of London and somebody who has to spend an awful lot of time going into an and traveling stuff and traveling, uh, Nev, a very good evening to you. Yes. Hello, folks. How are we all doing? All right. Have you have you yes. been in, into the capital at all lately? Uh, yes, I was this week, and also went to Edinburgh and back on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, As I you still do, think some of the ground staff need to remind themselves on how to board an aircraft. Right. Okay. Edinburgh. Well, it's um, been a while that you know they're a little out yeah, of practice. I, I you know, know. <laughs> it's, not not fully in practice, are they? But, no, um, not quite. Yes. So, um, but no, all very good. Thank you very much. Another hectic week. I'm quite glad it's the end of the week. Actually, it's lots yes, of, I imagine lots of stuff going on this week. So uh, no, yeah, I bet. And, uh, spent uh, last night with uh, young Captain Nick and his family, and he very oh, kindly treated me to oh, his, nice. one of his uh, nice Indian meals at his local restaurant, which we have all been to. Previously. Oh, was it that oh, one? It was. Oh, yes. that was such a good night, wasn't it? So we are, we are allowed back. Uh, oh, good, good. I, I I was worried. I'll be honest with you. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, all, all it's, it's all been repaired, and uh, we're we're back in there. So so that's great. Very good. Very good indeed. <laughs> Repaired. I, sorry, I missed that on the first wave. <laughs> oh dear, never mind. Uh, so yes, uh, sadly we don't have Anamondo with us uh, today, uh, but he has, he says frantically looking for the right button, he has sent us his uh, very good excuse. Here we go. Hey guys, greetings from uh, 15,000 feet over the Carolinas. 
Sorry, I can't be on the show at least on time. I'm going to try to get to the show a little bit later on today. But if I'm not there, it's because I'm doing this right here. So uh, got some great military stories that uh, we're going to play out. I'm super happy that we finally announced the 400th episode location. That's uh, it's going to be great. I'm super excited to meet everybody that I haven't met before and kind of see some old faces. Uh, well, not, not old faces, but young faces. It's been a while. And uh, going over to England, it's going to be myself, Megan, and Maddie. I think at this point Megan's more famous than I am. But uh, really looking forward to seeing everybody coming back over to the UK. It's been a couple years since we've been over there, so um, just happy to be back there. Uh, either way, uh, if I'm not on the show this week, I'm going to catch you guys in a couple weeks. Next week I'm headed out to flight safety for recurrent training uh, in uh, Dallas, Texas. Friday is actually check ride day, and it's a middle of the night sim, so it's unlikely that I'll be on the show. But uh, either way, I'll see you guys at least two weeks uh, down the road. Anyway, cheers. See you later. Such a show off. <laughs> As Tony S. is saying in the chat room. Absolutely, yeah. Just just describe to the to the those who are watching uh, or listening. Sorry, if you're watching, obviously yeah. you can see what's going on. But um, Armando in is uh, obviously sent us an amazing video as usual. And at the end of the video, he's uh, making a, a, a landing, which we refer to, I think, as butter uh, in the. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> uh, which is, is the only landings that uh, Armando makes are. Butter. Well, quite actually, I expect nothing nothing less from him. But uh, how Honestly, cool is that? Yeah. He, he like it's like every every <laughs> blooming week, Armando gets gets that bar and raises it another fifteen feet in the air as to how thinking right? good he can make his. Yeah, video. I know. We're very lucky to have him as part of the team. Ugh. That's the best way to describe to describe it. Yeah, they're very cool. So yeah, so no uh, no Armando this week by the look of it. He was hoping to join us at the start of the show, uh, but unfortunately uh, things haven't worked out quite as we'd hoped. Uh, so yeah. no Armando this week. And uh, he was mentioning he wasn't able to be on the show next week. And actually we have uh, news about that that we'll share with you at the end of the programme uh, too. Yes, and he also mentioned on there as well that uh, you'll, you'll get the chance to meet Armando at, at the 400. Seriously, it's year. worth coming to the 400th. Literally, just, to just see for that. Absolutely, because the guy is a legend. Honestly, <laughs> but um, on the note, a quick note on that. Uh, we, obviously, we'll we'll post all the details on our Facebook page as well um, at some point over this weekend. I will. Um, but we have had a really good reply or response to uh, to our 400th. We've got loads of people who are either flying in, driving in. Bussing in, carring in, parachuting in, which will be Steph, <laughs> um, to our 400 show. So big thanks to everyone. Parachuting, if you are... in, parachuting in over London. Wow. Okay. I w honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Steph. Don't no. don't laugh because she probably will do. No, I, um, I wouldn't put it past her to run from Heathrow to the venue. That wouldn't surprise me yes. in any way, shape, or form. So that's uh, that's next year. For those of you who missed last week, that's next year uh, on the 26th of February. Uh, next year that's the 26th that's a saturday we'll do the live show and uh, the team will be there on the 25th which is a friday and uh, for those of you who are going to be attending and joining us on the february the 26th uh, nev has a very special code for the hotel uh, which he can send to you and if you want uh, a nice little reduction off the room rate for your stay uh, with us at the hotel and i will just point out this hotel is not 
this, this ain't no holiday in or no, premier in no. or days in or in in it is a very nice hotel indeed and uh, nev you secured a very nice little discount for us nev so well done yes not not bad at all uh so um and uh yeah it does only apply up until the 14th of january so when you get your email back from us uh to confirm get your stuck in, all, all the details will be in there um but uh my suggestion is uh, book early to avoid disappointment yes. absolutely yeah on, on all levels on all levels because we do have a capacity as well and once we've reached that capacity we can't uh, we can't take any more basically so uh, yeah. yeah if you'd like to come uh, get in touch sooner rather than later loads of people have got in touch as carlos said already um, but yes. yeah make sure make sure yeah. you get your 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 uh, your uh, interest registered ASAP, basically ASAP. I can I can confirm. Um, I'm not going to mention names, but we do have a, a quite good contingency of people coming in from the US. Oh, do we? Oh, very cool. Yes. Okay. So uh, that'll be not going to mention any names. Oh, okay. Anyway. Right. Fair enough. But anyway, let's uh, let's do some commercial news, shall we, guys? Okay. Yes, please. Yeah. 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 Let's go. <laughs> So, kicking off this first news story this week, and uh, Nev picked up on this one this week, actually. Well done, Nev. Uh, this uh, we brought in from the Av Herald or avherald.com, Simon's great site. If you haven't already looked at it, AV Herald is one to put on your bookmarks on your desktop. Uh, this is uh, Ryanair, and I've got a Ryanair story to kick off with tonight, which <laughs> makes a change. And uh, Ryanair have been doing what a certain BA Flight 009 or BA Flight 9 done, what, how many years ago, Nev? Oh, gosh. You uh, I'll look it up in a second. I think it's 20-odd years ago. But anyway, so a Ryanair 737-800 near Tenerife on October the 11th uh, had engine trouble after flying through volcanic ash. So a Ryanair 737-800 registration Echo India Echo November Papa performing flight FR8179 from Tenerife South uh, to Brussels in Belgium was climbing through flight level 60 uh, feet out of Tenerife's runway 07 when the crew turned right to avoid an ash cloud. Initially continuing the climb over the island of Gran Canaria, the aircraft turned back onto course to the north. Uh, climbing through flight level 220, the crew stopped the climb however, and decided to declare an emergency to return to Tenerife due to problems with both engines. Uh, the aircraft entered a hold at flight level 120 in the uh, clear south of Fuventura, and island, uh, the island uh, subsequently landed, or the aircraft landed safely on the island uh, on Tenerife's south runway 07, two hours after departure. Passengers reported a lot of emergency vehicles were waiting for the aircraft Apparently, both engines had ingested ash from the volcano Cumbre Vieja on La Palma, around 75 nautical miles northwest of Tenerife South Airport. A replacement 737, Echo India, Echo Golf Delta, reached Charoli with a delay of six and a half hours. The occurrence aircraft itself is still on the ground uh, at Tenerife, 42 hours after landing back. On October the 15th, Ryanair stated... Uh, this Ryanair flight from Tenerife South to Brussels diverted back to Tenerife South Airport due to a minor technical issue. Minor. Hmm. Uh, there was no encounter with volcanic ash. After landing, normally passengers were transferred to another aircraft which departed from Tenerife South. 
at uh, zero, uh, well, 11 a.m., uh, or sorry, uh, 11 minutes past midnight local time. Um, so, Nev, how many years ago was it? The uh, BA? Uh, 1982 was the BA 747 encounter yeah. with volcanic ash. Um, I don't understand this story because, on the one hand, it says um, due to ingestion of volcanic ash. And then later on in the story, it says there was no volcanic ash uh, being being uh, induced into the engine. So I don't understand. Also, the the word minor technical issue bothers me a little bit. Well, can I just say that this this volcano has been known about for a very long time. Mm. Of course, in two weeks' time, we're going to Fuerteventura and wouldn't be typical uh, if it went off. Of course. started going across that part of the Canary Islands as well. But that's a moot point. Um, But uh, no, uh, just a top tip from your Uncle Nev. Don't fly through volcanic ash in any kind of aircraft. (laughs) Even if it's a 737. Especially if it's a 737. In anything. I mean, mean, the the BA-9 guys had four engines, but, I mean, they lost all those, didn't they, Nev? True, true. Uh, Yes, and they they got all four back, and then I think the number one engine started to overheat, so but then Mm. back on three engines. But nonetheless, you know... um, this is this is not great stuff. And you, if you can remember the Icelandic volcano, which I can't even begin to pronounce, um, uh, that Dave. had major closure of airspace. Um, yeah, for a long time, Of course, I from it. the US to Europe as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a massive deal. And it went on for a long time as well, didn't it? Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was talking to Captain Nick last night, actually, about this, and he was saying they were stuck in Boston uh, for nine days because they couldn't wow. get back. Um, so uh, you can imagine crew entertainment, can't you? Uh, oh yeah, they were stuck there for no, I can imagine amount of time. So yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so. I suppose a couple of days delay, you can sort of you know make the best of it. But once you get past like five or six days, I mean, I I remember um, I, there was a if you listen to the radio here in the UK, there was a there's a well. I say famous, a chap by the name of Chris Moyles, who is a radio DJ here in the UK. Uh, He was uh, doing the Radio 1 breakfast show at the time, and because of the Icelandic cloud uh, that Nev is referring to there, was uh, stuck in New York for a very, very long time and didn't think that they were actually going to be able to get... Like, you know, they were looking at ferries and all sorts because they were (laughs) never going to get in there in time. What's that? What's, What's Micah saying? Oh, no, it's it's something I missed in the chat room earlier. I didn't see it, Tony S, but that he mentioned Nev when he was booking the hotel for the 400th and they added 20%. Did they? Right. Okay. Yeah, there's obviously the... They, they've <laughs> done the that, risk assessment. They've, they've yeah, decided that's not a... Yeah. yeah. And uh, da- <laughs> Lee Davies is saying in the chat room, because he said, Dave, the Icelandic volcano. He said, I have tickled him with that. Uh, right. Comment. Good. Lovely one. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad someone's amused. It's an easy name for a volcano. <laughs> it is. Yeah, why, why have these... Why complicate these, it? Well, complicated <laughs> names. Call well, them... Bob, Dave, yeah, or Volcano Work, Stan. Works in all languages then, doesn't yeah. it? Anyway, we'll move on to anyway, the next story. This uh, amused this, me. I like this one. Yeah, so this is Ryanair again. Uh, now, th- this one I, I kind of like. So this is on the, the Mail Online, obviously, which is where everyone should go for their aviation news. But uh, uh, this is a long story, this, but it is it is an interesting one, uh, I think. Uh, as, so basically, travel expert buys every extra in a bid to make flying Ryanair 
first class. So a flight with Ryanair is many things, but a premium travel experience, it is never listed as one of them. However, what happens when money is thrown at a trip with the low-cost Irish carrier? Well, one travel expert has filmed a fascinating attempt to make a £14 Ryanair flight first class by taking a limo to the airport, buying every possible extra, booking a spare seat next to him on the plane and drinking fizz. Some of the trip he described as a shambles and verging on a scam, but chunks of the journey were vastly improved, he said, He revealed. Uh, the experiment was carried out by Nicky Kelvin, who's the head of the Points Guy UK, who began a journey to Madrid via London Stansted by putting a smart suit and riding in an S-Class Mercedes to the airport using a company called Wheelie. Uh, that was £204, by the way. Somebody topped this up as we go. Uh, he said uh, the car arrived on time. It was incredibly comfortable with a professional, smartly dressed driver who set the temperature and radio volume to the desired levels and even provided Evian water. Other water companies, of course, are available. Uh, he'd paid for fast-track security at the airport, £7, uh, but uh, he said the experience was not premium with rude staff ushering passengers around. The escape lounge, £22.99, or use uh, Priority Pass, cheered him up, though. Uh, he, descri- he described this as not the most luxurious, but it was a space to escape from the airport crowds with complimentary food, beverages and comfortable seating. After buying a travel pillow, £14.99, to enhance the comfort in the air, it was time to board. And here the journey went awry. Uh, Nikki had paid for priority boarding, £20.85, but said the boarding process itself was a shambles. Uh, priority boarding was ignored and once you passed through the boarding gate, all passengers were forced to wait on a stairwell for around 15 minutes, with bags in tow until finally being allowed across the tarmac to board the plane. Now, uh, Nev, uh, Nev and Carlos, I don't know if you've... Uh, probably not Nev, because he's always on BA, isn't he? But, uh, Carlos, I mean, have you ever had to do that, where you've had to wait in the stairwell before they let you on the flight? Yeah, and I'm quite a few times, actually. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, like I say, it's, this is not an unusual It's, uh, it's not occurrence. an unusual thing at all. <laughs> Indeed. Um, uh, I've, I've had that... Um, I've had that at, at Stansted. Yeah. Um, a number of times. And also at... Oh, what was the other one? Um, Luton, we've had it before. Yeah, um, indeed. And at, at South End, yeah, we didn't wait in the stairwell, but we were waiting. Yeah. Outside, yeah, indeed, in the rain, in the adjacent yeah, adjacent field. Field. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Anyway, on board, the experience improved again, mostly because Nikki had secured seat one A. There we go, Nev, uh, at the front uh, for twenty pounds. Paid for the seat next to him to improve the roominess factor, thirty four ninety nine, and ordered himself a glass of prosecco, six pounds, and a hot beef lasagna, five pound ten. He told Mail Online uh, Travel, sitting in seat one A with a free seat next to me, felt like I had the best spot on board. Uh, being served first, uh, getting off the plane first, and having pretty much unlimited legroom and space was a huge bonus. The Prosecco, meanwhile, was about as fancy as it got on board, and it was warm and served in a plastic cup, therefore uh, was not that enjoyable, but the beef lasagna was delicious. And the verdict? We asked Nicky how his experience stacked up against, say, paying for a business class trip with BA. He said some elements were worth the money and some were verging on 
a scam. The luxury transport to the airport set the journey off to a wonderful start, but of course you could only take a luxury car when flying, but you could take a luxury car when flying with any airline. Uh, you would have a better time uh, in some BA lounges, uh, flying business class, and you would also enjoy cold champagne and better food by Do and Co on board. Do and Co, is that the... Um, Do and Co. Do and Co. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, although, uh, my, uh, although to my taste buds, uh, the lasagna was a winner. Paying for a front row seat and the free seat next to me, assuming this can be bought for a reasonable price, created true value for me, and I would definitely recommend this as a key way to greatly improve the experience flying Ryanair. Even in British Airways, uh, European business class, Club Europe, except for the front row, you are sitting in the same seats as economy passengers, although the middle seat is uh, automatically kept free. The priority boarding option in my case was a complete waste of money and not honoured by the airline. Overall, it will come down to price. If you want a truly premium experience, you're unlikely to match the overall BA, uh, BA British a business class experience to a low-cost airline and low-cost airlines like Ryanair will remain the choice for primarily uh, who lead by cost. Um, now, I have to say, when we came back, so I flew um, to uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland, um, into Belfast with EasyJet, and uh, it was a very, very full plane going out, but coming home, there was a seat next uh, between me and my mum. And I must say, having that extra seat was a real sort of like you had somewhere to put things and sort Mm. of, you know, you could sort of you didn't have to, you know, you could lift the armrest up and have a little bit more room to sort of wiggle about and and things like that once you got underway. So I I do kind of get that. But I mean, I can't see I mean, Nev, I can't see you doing this as a way of sort of, I mean, you know. (laughs) Seat this one is, not even, on a, on this is not even vocabulary I understand, <laughs> I'm afraid. Uh, no. So, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, but I have just uh, totted all that up. Okay, good. Uh, which you asked us to. And yes. it comes to £344 right. and 5 pence. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so actually that, that, that compares quite well then. If you, were, if you were going to be flying, say, doing a similar trip with, with BA and any business class, obviously it would be significantly more than that. But, well... Uh, what was the route again? I didn't. Uh, I think it was. Mid- I want to say Madrid. I might. Be yes. Wrong. I mean yeah. that's not far off actually. That's okay. Not far off. Yeah. 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 Um, Although there wasn't the swanky car to the airport, I guess. No. <laughs> no. Um, but, but also, uh, I, I I must say, it, as always, I, I, it, uh, airline fares are a mystery to me completely. Um, <laughs> I've just booked a flight to Stockholm for later in um, November. Uh, to Stockholm, Orlando, the, the main airport, with BA, and it was £151 oh. in economy. And I've just come back from Edinburgh on Tuesday, and it was £287. So, obviously, you don't pay by the mile, uh, do you? No, no, you do <laughs> You not. pay by the uh, popularity of the route, probably. True, mm-hmm. true that, uh, yes. Yes, there we are. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, a fun experiment, but let's be honest, people yeah. aren't going to worry about it, are they? Let's you know, let's <laughs> let's be brutally honest here. Never mind. Now, Nev, your next story is uh, is regarding your your chosen airline and uh, a slight delay. 
Yes, this is an interesting one. It's on the independent.co.uk and it says passengers on a British Airways flight had to spend the entire night on the plane on the tarmac uh, during a diversion that lasted for 22 hours. Flight BA31 from London Heathrow to Hong Kong on the 8th of October had made the 11-hour journey without a hitch until the approach into Hong Kong. Tropical storms thwarted two attempts to land uh, the Boeing 777 aircraft before a plan B had to be deployed and the flight diverted into Manila in the Philippines, which was 700 miles away. Uh, the plane touched down two hours later, but there were further complications. A return to Hong Kong wasn't possible as the storms continued, whilst COVID restrictions meant most of the passengers were not eligible to enter the Philippines. Uh, the result was that all travellers and crew had to spend the night on board. Uh, the flight landed at 4pm local time on Saturday and didn't take off again for Hong Kong until 10am on Sunday, meaning passengers were stuck on the ground uh, for 18 hours. Uh, they finally arrived in Hong Kong at 12pm, following one more aborted landing and go-around before touching down approximately 22 hours behind schedule and 33 hours after first leaving London. Video shared on social media shows passengers bursting into applause and cheering when the plane landed in Hong Kong. A BA spokesman told The Independent, like other airlines, our flight diverted to Manila uh, due to uh, tropical storm Lion Rock. It laid, uh, later safely landed in Hong Kong. We cared for our customers on board the aircraft and apologised for the inconvenience. Passengers on board praised BA cabin crew for the way that they'd handled the situation. Thank you all, tweeted one person. Uh, applause in Hong Kong for BA's uh, fantastic crew on BA31. Another commented, the crew were all brilliant and handled everything professionally and we uh, were stuck in the same situation. Kudos to British Airways. So that well, was nice. Now, I just wonder how the, the crew managed their situation with flight time mm. limitations and, and stuff like that. But, of course, they, if they did get some sleep, because obviously there are, there are probably crew rest areas on yeah. the 777 uh, on, on for that kind of uh, length of flight, I would imagine. So they probably were able to get some rest. And uh, those lucky people in club or first class would have had those nice lie flat beds. Um but uh, the great unwashed further back. <laughs> wouldn't I was going to say, if, you, if, you're in, if you're in business class or, or first now, if you're, you're thinking, oh, delay. Oh, fair enough. Another glass of champagne. Yeah, Don't mind yeah, if I yeah. do. Seat yeah. back. Yeah. Yes, Elite Lee Davis uh, makes quite a, um, a good good point uh, here, I would say. Um, uh, he, <laughs> yes. he says, I suspect they I bet, may well bet the been, toilets yeah. were busy on arrival. Quite, uh, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Oh dear! I well, you know, as I say, they they did the best of the best in a bad situation. They've done the best in a bad situation. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's all we can say on that, I guess. I, well, I, th I, I, I did see there was there was on one of the news feeds like, there was a um, a screenshot of the satellite picture of that storm, mm. and it did look rather um, angry, stormy. <laughs> right, yeah, okay. I will say. Good. Um, so let's have a look at the next story. This is uh, moving all the way over to Australia for the next mm. story. And a new, a new, oh, where do all these new airlines keep coming? Mm. Every week we're covering a story about a new airline. Um, so a new budget airline, Bonza, aims to fill gap in Australia routes. Do I put on an Australian accent? No, but you could you could mention the two people who sent the story in for it. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to say thank you to Ray Davis and Jacob Darlington-Brown for sending in uh, this story to us. And uh, Bonza Airways. 
so a new ultra low cost uh, domestic airline bonza is hoping to add to the post lockdown boom in air travel with a raft of services to destinations currently being neglected by existing airlines bonza has announced its plan to enter the australian domestic market and begin flights by early 2022 industry analysts believe the airline's target of linking budget conscious passengers to tourist destinations will fill a gap in the market if the airline receives regulatory approval uh, empty check-in areas at sydney airport uh, australian travels were warned of potential airfare hikes as watchdog puts airports no on notice uh, the on tuesday this week a bonza chief executive Tim Jordan sent out expressions of interest to 46 airports across all states and territories seeking regions and cities to step forward as to be a part of the initial route network. Jordan, a seasoned aviation figure and former executive of Virgin Blue, told Guard in Australia that Bonza would aim to rival the low ticket prices sold by the likes of EasyJet and Ryanair on short-haul uh, routes. He likened his plan for Bonza to the model of a British carrier like Jet 2, which he said had successfully complete or competed with EasyJet and Ryanair here in the UK on price, but focused mostly on leisure destinations rather than frequent services between capital cities, something like he, or he would love to mimic in Australia. He said that our product will not appeal to the business traveller, uh, there won't be multiple frequencies a day. You can choose from uh, those who need to return later that day. He said it'll be more like a three or four frequencies en route per week. This allows us to fly routes that weren't there currently, uh, non-stop services between two points, and we won't be stealing traffic from other airlines. We'll be growing in demand for domestic trips and more or half the markets we will operate um, and no other carrier currently flies. So Australia's aviation landscape has changed over the course of the pandemic with the exit of low-cost carrier Tiger after its parent company Virgin went through an administration process and itself repositioned toward the lower end of the market and the expansion of Rex to fly on routes for uh, uh, two major capital cities. Uh, government supports uh, were also introduced and extended during the Delta lockdowns to keep skilled workers employed and ensure airlines were ready to resume flying when the borders opened. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't we haven't got a picture. I'd like to see what their livery is like, actually, because uh, um, it's bound to be something um, bright, I'd imagine, <laughs> as a low-cost carrier in uh, Australia. Uh, it's, oh, it's, uh, it's a, it's a good idea. A, hang on, I found a picture. Hang on. Let me oh, you found my, a picture? Yeah, yeah I can, I, let me uh, let me see if I can get it up. Um, this is where we miss John because obviously this would have all been pre-done for us. I, I and, think uh, <laughs> I think we're, we're I think there we are go. lucky. Oh, there we go. Bon. Oh, lovely colour, lovely colour. Yeah, nice purple purple in colour. Just need to need the milk a cow to to be on the side I'm, of that. I'm sorry, what? Let's go with that. You know, with the lilac. You know, you're, but, you're, uh, everything all right, Carlos? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think a lot of people assume, you know, that, that every country has its own batch of low cost carriers. I mean, we are lucky here in the UK that we yeah, do have Ryanair, EasyJet, Jet2 and a couple of other little low cost carriers, which mm. are more expensive than ever. Um, but, you know, not every country or not every big country around the world has <laughs> a massive choice of low cost carriers to choose mm. from. So, 
Indeed, and least, Australia is a very big country. It is indeed. Uh, well, and because of its size, it sort of makes sense to have like a like a domestic uh, sort of network, isn't it? Really, I mean, in the states, it's very much commonplace, isn't it? You, very few people drive the huge distances from what you know. You know, flying flying domestically is is part of the course, isn't it? In the states, mm. usually. Um, uh, <laughs> Lee Davis is saying to you, never. I still think about that Channel Four program, Bonsai. I used to love oh, that yes. on a Friday. Was it Friday yeah. nights? I think you used to come. Uh, home from the pub yes, yeah you come yeah. home on a yeah. friday night after a night out of the pub and and there'll be channel all, four all, yeah place nights. bets now yeah yeah that's it place <laughs> bet now. That, no stop it oh, i love that love that <laughs> anyway uh next one uh matt is for you this is ryan there and uh blackmail being done here yes absolutely now this is a long story so i apologize for this in advance but it, this really caught my eye uh this says the ryanair passengers accuse airline of blackmail after being banned from flying so furious ryanair passengers uh have accused the budget airline of blackmail after it after it apparently blocked passengers from taking flights over disputed refunds the customers of the Irish low-cost uh, airline claim that they have been barred from Ryanair flights until they repay money refunded for trips missed during the COVID pandemic. Ryanair customers say that the airline refused to refund them for flights they backed out of due to advice at the time by Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office uh, FCDO uh, not to travel. They turned to credit card chargebacks, a function where credit and debit card users can reverse a disputed transaction to reclaim their money. But when the same uh, customers attempted to book new flights through the budget carrier uh, the airline refused to let them fly until they paid back the cash a money saving expert investigation has found. Some customers even claimed that they were met with payment demands at check-in just hours before they were due to fly. Personal finance experts have described the decision to block people from flying due to the refund row as outrageous while a Ryanair customer took to social media to accuse the budget airline of blackmail. But Ryanair has defended the decision, saying that it had has the right to stop passengers from flying if they owe the company money. The uh, row between the airline and customers is over the chargeback function available through payment cards. Customers of certain credit card firms, such as Amex, MasterCard and Visa, can use chargeback to reclaim disputed payments made on their debit, credit and charge cards. The process is usually used when a company refuses a refund. If requested, the card company will step in to claim the money back from the supplier's bank. The function is particularly useful for apologies for Alfie there. The function is particularly useful for customers when a company goes under in the time between payment and delivery of goods of services because the money is usually still recoverable from the supplier's bank though it is not always guaranteed. But in order to use chargeback you must prove that you have tried to get a refund first and that your request has been refused. Customers must submit a claim within 120 days of purchase or payment to for the service and it is particularly useful when an item or service costs under £100 uh, beyond which the uh, more powerful and legally backed Section 75 of the Consumer Credit Act is available. Rapidly evolving travel, travel policy earlier this year left some holidaymakers with tough decisions to make over whether to fly. 
though some countries were designated as a green or an amber on the Department for Transport's travel list, separate FCDO guidance at times was not to fly to these countries, often invalidating insurance travel insurances. It meant that while customers felt compelled not to travel, the flights still went ahead. And Ryanair's terms and conditions state it does not refund customers who choose of their own accord not to travel on flights that are still going ahead. The Competitions and Markets Authority, the CMA, which recently dropped an investigation into Ryanair and British Airways over complaints they refused to give refunds for missed flights in the COVID pandemic, says the airline passengers are not guaranteed refunds for flights when an FCDO warning is in place. But it says such refunds are not impossible. British Airways, EasyJet, Jet2 and Virgin Atlantic told passengers who miss such flights they can rebook or, in some cases, request a voucher in this scenario. However, some customers who wanted full cash refunds utilised chargeback to reclaim the money for missed flights. Now the company are demanding the money back from customers in order to get them to continue using Ryanair. Uh, travel solicitors Kobe Benson from Botton Co. and Colin Murphy from Lay Day told a money-saving expert that the airline was wrong to ban passengers from flying unless they paid the money back. He said the question is whether or not they were reason there were reasonable grounds to deny the boarding, and in this case, I don't think there are. Uh, the story goes on, but one of the things that is quite fascinating uh, to me here is uh, another article actually that I was reading. Uh, about this more or less sort of uh, I won't mention the bank but the article that I was reading more or less sort of said accepted that they were in the wrong to have been giving the uh, refunds back because they're only supposed to have done that when it was a um, you know where it was like the flight had been cancelled so therefore you know they paid for a service that hadn't been provided as where some you know some refunds have been given basically when that wasn't the case I mean, I don't know. Well, however you look at it, I suppose, you know, it's a bit of a PR disaster, isn't it? However you dress it up. Here's something that you thought you'd never hear me say. Yes. uh, In in that I have a little bit of sympathy with Ryanair. Yes. On this one. um, Because there are exceptional circumstances going on. Absolutely. And everybody's situation is slightly different as well. Mistakes probably have been made at some point. Yeah. uh, and but obviously Ryanair and not just Ryanair but m- many other people many other carriers as well need to keep the cash inside yes. the company and not give it away um, so alternative bookings were always the the preference to a, a refund something's clearly gone wrong here mm. but um, I have to say it's not quite as clear cut as um, I don't think that some of the legal profession no. are making out here indeed um, and actually uh, I, I think it's fair to say that even Ryanair who let's be honest are not uh, they, they don't give much away let's put it that way but uh, I mean, even Ryanair have been uh, giving you the opportunity to change your flight for no additional fees or costs. And I think that's come to an end now, hasn't it? But certainly at the period that they're talking here, where you could have e- you could have easily had a voucher to book another flight rather than reclaim your money. Um, you know, I, I I do think you know, as I say, I, I'm with you very much on 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 that one. I I think. Uh, been a little bit unfair on on a lot of the airlines isn't it really because especially with people like ryan i mean you know if it was a small low-cost carrier or something like you could almost kind of understand it but with someone like ryanair and with someone like ba you know 
the the chance of them going bust is quite slim. I won't say it's impossible because you know nothing's impossible. But in this scenario, you know they're but you know there are big enough companies behind it that they weren't going to go bust. So the voucher that they gave you is going to remain valid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think. Um... There's going to be ongoing litigation and goodness knows what else, isn't yeah. there, for, for some time. But uh, I'm really hopeful that we're over the worst of the pandemic. And yeah. Obviously, there, there are still exceptional things going on. But, mm. um, yeah, the, the airlines need to retain the money in the company as Agreed. far as they can, I, I think. Yeah. yeah. But as I say, I think it's it, it telling that, you know, one of the banks who's been involved in all this sort of basically admitted that they were giving refunds when perhaps they shouldn't have been. Mm, yeah. yeah. Anyway, there we are. There we go. So uh, the next story is with Unev. Yes, it's on the businessinsider dot com. This is an interesting one. Um, it says that Southwest's uh, spider web like route map is why flights as far as California were cancelled due to weather in Florida. This is how it works. Um, and uh, the worst of Southwest Airlines Columbus Day weekend meltdown appears to be over as cancellations are dwindling. But as of Thursday morning, only 30 flights uh, have been cancelled for the day, according to flight tracking company FlightAware, uh, down from thousands uh, in the combined days prior. Uh, but the weekend's events have left some flyers in regions as far as the west coast wondering why their flights were cancelled when bad weather and air traffic control issues in florida were initially to blame uh, the reason traces back to how southwest schedules flights across its nationwide route network that differ from many of its competitors southwest operates a very complex spider web like point-to-point -point route network uh, says henry hartfelt who's a travel uh, industry analyst and president of the atmosphere research group a flight let's say from Florida to California may make multiple stops along the way a bit like a, the proverbial uh, puddle jumper uh, the point-to-point -point strategy has proved effective and allowing the airline to serve a greater number of US cities without having to contract regional airlines as is the default of the major airlines when serving low demand markets meltdowns like the one experienced over Columbus Day weekend are few and far between major carriers such as American Airlines Delta and United alternatively operate what is known as a hub and spoke route network each airline has a handful of hubs across the US from where flights will usually arrive or depart Southwest, whilst having bases at airports across the US, will send aircraft hopscotching across the country to its international destinations. Examples of its point-to-point -point routes include Sacramento, California to uh, Ontario, uh, California, um, Raleigh to Tampa, Florida, and Long Island, New York to West Palm Beach, Florida. If there is bad weather in Florida and a flight is cancelled, it can cascade down and that flight affects other flights between points that are hundreds or perhaps thousands of miles away from where the bad weather took place, he says. Southwest told uh, Insider uh, magazine that uh, the event was exacerbated by the conservative approach to staffing that resulted from the pandemic. Going forward, we're continually assessing our operational plan with staffing in mind says a southwest spokesman uh, we're continuing to aggressively hire we've reduced our planned flying through this lens in the past and we won't hesitate to do it again we want to give our people maximum flexibility to recover uh, during these wider scale disruptions 
Um, South, Southwest Airlines CEO Gary Kelly, Kelly publicly apologised on the national morning TV show. Well, I didn't actually know that. I no. didn't realise how Southwest operated their aircraft in, in that way. Mm. And obviously, when the weather's great, um, it's all it fine. Works fine. We do yeah. know that uh, the continent of North America does have this habit of having big weather moments. And that's what messed this one up. Indeed. In fact, actually, Micah is saying in the chat room here, he's saying that uh, there's another, here's another communication disaster. Southwest Airlines tried to blame air traffic control and weather because if that were the case, they would not be required to issue refunds. Ooh, it's that word Interesting. again. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is that word again. Um, yeah, it's uh, being that their dispatch system failed, uh, uh, that they were actually responsible but refused to take the responsibility. But, uh, yeah, this is... Um, Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You do worry sometimes that a lot of airlines, even even your favourite airline, sometimes you know they they have much to learn in the world of PR, don't they? <laughs> oh yes, yes, yeah. And as we all know, PR and social media is king. It is nowadays, world, isn't it? There's no two ways about that. When it comes to passengers and customers. Indeed. we better keep moving because I notice we've got quite a lot of stories and we're rapidly yes, running out of time. Yes, this is uh, over on foxbusiness.com and uh, Boeing 787 Dreamliner uh, has new problem involving titanium parts. Ooh. So Boeing is dealing with a new defect on its 787 Dreamliner, the latest uh, in a series of production slip-ups that have delayed aircraft deliveries and drawn increased US government scrutiny. The new problem involves certain titanium parts that were weaker uh, than they should be on 787s built over the last three years. People familiar with the matter said uh, the discovery is among other Dreamliner snafus that have left Boeing stuck with more than $25 billion worth of the jets in its inventory. Uh, the finding is fresh evidence that the plane maker is still trying to fix its uh, manufacturing operation, uh, despite nearly a two-year push by Chief Executive David Calhoun uh, to restore Boeing's reputation for building quality jets. In addition, the FAA is investigating Boeing's quality control, and the company acknowledged that it hasn't solved the problem of junk left over from the production process, such as two empty tequila mini bottles, as we featured a few weeks back in a story uh, that were found on one of the uh, the new one of the new Air Force One jets that was under construction. Uh, Boeing spokesman said the company is making progress on improving production and is raising its own standards despite operational interruptions. He said that we have strengthened our focus on quality and constantly encourage all members of our teams and supply chains to raise any issues that need attention, the spokesman said. That when the issues are raised, that is an indication that these efforts are working. Boeing 787's woes came as the FAA exams a series of alleged quality control lapses across Boeing's commercial airplane unit, according to an 18th of August agency letter and people familiar with the probe. The agency has claimed that Boeing allowed unqualified personnel to sign off on quality checks or otherwise fail to comply and follow company FAA guidelines. The Dreamliner new problem and FAA's investigation haven't been reported before, and the Boeing spokesperson said the titanium issue was discovered by the company as part of a continuing audit as the company owns its quality management system. Boeing and its regulators have determined that the new titanium issue doesn't pose an urgent safety risk. Well, any safety risk is <laughs> bad uh, to planes currently flying. 
Uh, people familiar with the matter said uh, the company performed immediate repairs to two undelivered aircraft that would have been grounded because they contained a high number of the weak parts. Uh, these people said the company expects to resume handing over the wide-body jets in November this year at the earliest, later than previously anticipated, and people familiar with the company's uh, plans said. So, yeah, I mean, it's not really a word you sort of tend to put with titanium, is it sort of weakness? Because normally things no, that are built out of titanium are blooming strong. Usually. Um, but uh, honestly, I, 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 I'd imagine just, I don't know, Boeing is just ha having a pretty bad... They're having a pretty bad decade, I think that's probably the best way yeah. to describe it. Certainly had a pretty rubbishy last three years. I mean, <laughs> as you, I mean, you guys, you guys know, I, I get the Airliner World magazine mm. every month, and they they put the Airbus and Boeing sales figures in there each month in the in the publication, and it's so weird. Like for the last year, more more than a year now, mm. that the the delivery figures for Airbus are up here, and the mm. Boeing delivery figures are down here, whereas it used to be completely opposite. Before, yeah, you know all this. So, mm. indeed. Anyway, mm. so Nev, this is interesting news. I'll say for anyone living in the US and who wants to go to España. Yes, is this not Matt's story? I thought though? it was my story as well. Or is it yours, so, Matt? Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. About that. that's all right. No, we'll, we'll, I need we'll... to scroll down further. Fair enough. Okay, <laughs> so. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Anyway, uh, the yeah, uh, United announces routes I know Nev loves to Spain. well, quite absolutely. United announces routes to Arman, Mallorca, Bergen, uh, among others. So yesterday, United Airlines released a video full of clues as to where their next group of international routes would be set to go. The airline built much anticipation around this announcement, and the day has finally arrived for the airline to officially announce these new routes. So we'll go through some of them very quickly. So that Washington, as I like to call it, Dulles Airport uh, airport to Oman uh, in Jordan. Uh, United plans to fly once daily from Washington International Airport to Oman. Uh, this is the carrier's first Middle Eastern flight besides Tel Aviv uh, since pulling out of Dubai and Kuwait some years back. This route is set to be operated three times weekly using the airline's uh, Boeing 787-8 aircraft beginning the 5th of May next year. Uh, um, uh, next, we're off to Portugal. This is New York, uh, Newark to the Azores in Portugal with United's recent uh, increase in flights to the Iberian Peninsula. It was only a matter of time before new routes were added. In addition to Porto and Lisbon, uh, United Airlines will also be flying to the Azores Islands beginning the 13th of May next year. This route will operate thrice weekly. Oh, I haven't heard that word in a long time. Thrice. Thrice weekly, year-round and on a daily basis between June and August of 2022. Uh, next, Next, it's New York to Tenerife, the Canary Islands, obviously in Spain. Uh, European travel to the Canary Islands has been steadily increasing ever since the onset of the pandemic as its distance from the mainland of Europe is not very far. United is joining the fun in transporting passengers to this travel destination that have been considerably rising in popularity. Flights will operate three times weekly beginning the 2nd of June 2022. Uh, next, we're off to Norway. This flight is interesting, especially considering United's only flight to the Scandinavian region is to Stockholm. This new expansion means greater European connectivity, checking off another country from United's list. Similar to their Stockholm flights, the airline will utilise 
a Boeing 757 on this route. Uh, Flights are set to operate three times per week beginning the 20th of May. Um, Mallorca in Spain. American travel to Palma de Mallorca has only increased in recent years and the only way to fly to the island was via connections in Europe. Now United has enabled passengers to fly non-stop with the introduction of flights straight to the Spanish island. Flights are set to begin on the 9th of June. Three times a week for that one. Uh, Next it's Denver to Munich in Germany. United flies to Munich from almost every other hub so it was only a matter of time until this flight resumed. Uh, This edition offers United Airlines frequent flyers one more option to fly back to the American mainland. Denver's European connectivity is also somewhat lacking and the announcement of this route makes Germany a much more viable destination. This daily service is set to begin uh, in April. So Chicago to Milan is next in Italy, of course. United already flies to Milan from Newark and with flights leaving full fairly frequently, it seems fair that another route has been added. Increased connectivity means that passengers can now fly to Venice, Milan, Naples and Rome from both Newark, Chicago and Washington Dulles. (laughs) Uh, This uh, daily service to Milan is set to begin in May. So pandemic uh, disruptions in addition to the above routes, uh, United will also be adding services to the following destinations. These routes were announced prior to the pandemic but were not able to begin. So it's Newark to Tokyo, that's the 26th of March. Los Angeles to Tokyo, that's on the 26th of March as well. Washington to Tokyo, that's also the 26th of March. Chicago to Zurich, uh, that's beginning on the 23rd of April. Uh, Newark to Nice, beginning on the 29th of April and San Francisco to Bangalore. Uh, That begins on the 26th of May. I mean, there is a lot of sort of hope almost that there is perhaps light at the end of the tunnel at long last. Well, yes. And of course, we've just heard this week that uh, looks like flights to the US uh, from the UK starting from the 8th of November. And as of the 22nd uh, of this month, Mm. uh, there's uh, re- uh, stopping the requirement for a PCR testing and uh, yes, and, yes, okay. So we are getting there, but it's taken gosh, I mean, you know, between eighteen months and two years, isn't it? Um, but I think we're we're not there yet. There's, there's still more. Having said all that, it's good to see that uh, folks are laying on more flights and on more routes. Mm. So that's, that's it's definitely a step in the right direction, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of beginning to feel good. like there's. Uh, you know, th- things are definitely picking up a bit. And I mean, certainly, yeah. again, Stansted that I was in, um, as I say, a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, I mean, it certainly wasn't as busy as we're used to seeing Stansted at us. You know, sort of 10.30, I'd say, especially at the weekend, is quite a peak time for people to be flying off to places. Um, and I mean, it wasn't at the levels. I mean, I, I've, I've been in that in the departure lounge there where there is literally standing room only. Um, you know, and it w- there were still the odd seats there and there, but definitely getting there now. I don't know... Um, I mean, where we, was it Heathrow that you flew from this week, Nev? I mean, how, yes, was, how did that compare? Quick, quick Edinburgh trip. Um, so, yes, uh, T5 at Heathrow was very busy, mm. uh, as was Edinburgh Airport as well, actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely getting there. Um, and I think probably there still aren't, aren't quite the number of flights that there were, mm. so they're cramming more people onto fewer flights. But uh, nonetheless, yeah. the, uh, the demand for travel, both for business, for holiday, but also think about those folks that haven't been able to see their relations. I yeah. mean, people that are, have been sick um, and they've had 
this problem where they just cannot get to see them. So yeah. I think that that's a, a, a good a, sign. A driving factor. Yeah. Absolutely. I, just, I just can't get my head around being in Mallorca and seeing a United yeah. Airlines United flight United uh, aircraft yeah, yeah, on yeah. the tarmac <laughs> next to an EasyJet or a Ryanair. Yeah. Or it's a Jet 2 or something, yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's, one of the, it's weird, yeah. Anyway, um, moving on to the next story, Nev. And uh, we're always talking about um, hot air on this, this show. And, Rude. Um, but this uh, story is all... <laughs> All a bit hydrogen. It is, yes. And it's on aerotime.aero. Uh, and it says that hydrogen-powered ATR-72 gets a launch customer. Uh, ASL Aviation Holdings, which is an Irish-based firm, intends to purchase up to 10 conversion kits to make their ATR-72 freighters run on hydrogen. The company had signed a, has signed a letter of intent with Universal Hydrogen, becoming the launch customer for the new type of vehicle. According to a press release, the converted ATR AR-72s are going to be used for cargo transportation. In addition to conversion kits, ASL will receive one already converted aircraft for tests. Universal Hydrogen uh, plans to manufacture a conversion kit that would allow existing models of the turboprop aircraft to run on hydrogen. Uh, the company also advertises its intention to create and man- maintain infrastructure for distributing the new type of fuel. According to the firm, converting aircraft run on hydrogen not only greatly increase, in, uh, reduces carbon emissions, but also improves their performance and reduces operational costs. In recent years, there have been numerous announcements of investments into research and development of hydrogen-powered aircraft. Whilst the use of such fuel remains challenging, industry experts expect the hydrogen aircraft market to reach over $174 billion by 2040. So this is a new uh, type of uh, fuel and propulsion system that's been talked about for a, a long time now. And mm. gradually we're seeing them introduced in, into certain kinds of operations, aren't we? So, yeah. Uh, mm. yeah, absolutely. Really interesting. Really interesting. It's good. It's exciting it times. It's, yeah. de- it's definitely one to watch, isn't it? It's, uh, mm. you know, all airlines are being encouraged to find greener ways of, of sort of transporting us around. And I mean, obviously, in, in the dream scenario, obviously, will be, you know, sort of electric power, therefore, you know, potentially solar powered, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, uh, to be looking for some interim solution, I just think is brilliant. This next one uh, is a sad story, the last uh, story in the commercial news this week. And uh, this one comes to us from MSN.com. And uh, 16 uh, people sadly lost their lives after a uh, parachute aircraft crashes in Russia. So 16 people uh, were killed after an aircraft carrying parachutists crashed in central Russia last Sunday, uh, the emergencies ministry said. The L-410 aircraft carrying uh, 22 people crashed at around 9.23 a.m. local time during a flight over the Republic of Tarstan. Uh, the ministry said on its Telegram channel. Six people were rescued, but sadly 16 people lost their lives, the ministry said. Uh, Earlier they'd said that 15 people had died and the aircraft was carrying uh, 23 people, but obviously the figures were adjusted. Uh, Images published by the ministry showed the aircraft broken in half with a severely damaged nose section. Uh, The six survivors were hospitalised and the local health ministry told the Interfax news agency of this. Uh, Tatarstan head uh, Rustam Minikhanov was travelling to the scene of the crash 
uh, a statement said on his website. According to Interfax, the plane belonged to the Voluntary Service for Assistance to the Army Aviation and Navy of Russia. Well, that's a mouthful. Well, which describes itself as a sports and defence organisation. The head of the organisation's regional branch said the parachuting club that organised the flight was not to blame. He said that we are the best and we are among the top five clubs, apparently, he told the news agency, adding that the club had hosted European World Championships. The Czech-built L410 aircraft was one of the two planes used by the club, according to its website. Uh, the two four L410 planes suffered, um, or two of the L410 planes suffered fatal accidents in Russia earlier this year, uh, leaving a total of eight people dead. Uh, Russia was notorious for plane accidents, but has improved its air traffic safety uh, record in recent years, uh, with major airlines switching from Soviet-built aircraft to modern jets. Uh, but poor aircraft maintenance and lack safety standards still lead to frequent accidents in far-flung regions of Russia involving light aircraft with occasional large-scale tragedies. That's very sad indeed. Um, you know, these, these people um, obviously out for their, you know, parachute jump and, and this had to happen. I mean, if I had to say, I would have to say technical you know, mechanical issue, mm. but but isn't it I interesting? Cons considering the considerable loss of life here, I don't remember reading or seeing this in any no. regular news channel. I mean, obviously the specialist aviation press will have covered it, but mm. sixteen people losing their life in in this situation. You, you really thought that the, that the regular news channels would have would have picked up on this? Is it because of where it took place, perhaps? Oh, or? I mean, it, of course, if it had happened in you know. Frankfurt, Paris, London, you know, New uh, York, yeah, wherever, yeah, or whatever, or yeah, major U.S. city, mm. uh, or Australian, possibly, yes. Uh, but uh, it's strange, isn't it? That, Sad, uh, isn't it? Really, things like this are, are just really underreported. I, mm. think. I, I just, I just typed in they've actually on um, Aviation Herald L four one zero, and it's surprising just how many incidents and accidents there are involving. Um, oh, really? This particular aircraft, yeah. There's, there's quite a. Uh, quite an extensive page, but then, uh, but there. then, in de in defence of this aircraft, I suspect that if you typed in, you know, uh, you know, the Cessna caravan, I dare say you probably find <laughs> similar levels of, um, you know, incident. If you see what I mean, and I, I guess, you know, is, is there a, you know, a strong argument that perhaps some of these problems are because of the type of work these particular aircraft mm -hmm. are doing? I mean, I know nothing. Uh, you know, I certainly I don't have enough knowledge to talk of in any form of authority, but you know, my my gut reaction, if you like, would be based on that. There's quite a few of these built. These these first flew in 1969, introduced into service in 1970. Mm. Uh, they built um, just over 1,200 of these were were built uh, in service. Mm. Um, but they're quite. I mean, they are quite a bit bigger than your usual kind of standard Cessna caravan mm. inside. Actually, these particular aircraft. Right. Okay. So mm. more more people potentially inside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they are twin engine, uh, two props. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're quite got quite a lot bigger. But yeah. yeah, it's it's a sad story, and it it's, it's not a, not a nice story at all. It's to, not. It's not. It's not the Anne finally we would normally look for. But no. we we felt it no. important it be it be covered anyway. Uh, now, Nev, uh, you were involved in a fantastic uh, interview series that we're very proud to be running here, and uh, yes, just some details on that for our next part. 
Yes, well, this is part three of the Mike Wildman interview. If you remember that uh, Nick, uh, Captain Nick, was talking to Mike about his aviation career, uh, his commercial flying, his military flying, and of course he is an amputee. And when we left uh, the interview at the, on the last part, um, Nick started to get into some of the detail about that. So let's have a, a listen to what Mike's uh, situation is now. So you've made the decision and in the hospital, any, any last minute nerves? I'm sure Always, there were. Of course, I was, yeah, I was. But what you can remember is I was in terrible pain as well. So this wasn't like waking up in the morning and my God, you know, um, I've had a crash and I've lost my leg. This was, well, hopefully this is gonna give me a chance to have another life, yeah. which it has, so yeah. Absolutely. Uh, also, one thing I didn't mention is, uh, um, there's a fabulous uh, charity called Airability, which is on my jacket here somewhere, um, which its remit is to provide uh, flying opportunities to disabled people, either as pilots or as passengers or anything else. Um, I went to see them even before I'd had the amputation, so I still had two legs at that stage. Uh, Mike Miller-Smith, who's in charge of the charity, was very, very uh, um, enthusiastic. Um, said they'd get me flying as soon as they could but they also told me about a project that was coming up where they needed uh, an amputee pilot and so it meant that I could go into the operation and go into the, the weeks that followed in hospital with something to look forward to which is uh, would be another part of the story. Absolutely and that must have been quite important to you because you knew you weren't necessarily going to leave flying behind. Exactly because there was no guarantee that I'd ever fly an airliner again and so um, yeah and, and made it you know it was a, a, a huge incentive for me. Yeah. And, and uh, air ability they they play a part later on I'm sure we'll come on to it yeah. but uh, so you, you've woken up from the operation and uh, <laughs> what's it like when you look down and you've only got one foot? Um, it's it is surreal it's absolutely surreal um and of course you can still feel it i mean phantom limb pain is something we'll talk about later on but even now i can still feel my toes and you know uh, i don't know if you remember when you fly in formation we talk about you know easing out relax wiggle your toes and i still do that when i'm flying um even to the toe that comes out yet. so <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing yeah absolutely um your recovery how long did that take oh, i was very quick um i was in hospital not long, I think 10 days, uh, came home and, and the defining thing then was to, to, to wait for the, the, the residual limb, the stump, that obviously it's got a big wound on the bottom. So you've got to wait for that to heal. So that took about six weeks. Um, in that time, they measure you up for a leg and various bits and pieces. So you, you're, you're waiting for it to heal and wait for the leg, which is a, and in a wheelchair, which is a really frustrating time. But that was only, I think the, the operation was January the 6th. Um, I was in the simulator by the start of March at Airability, and I think I flew the PA-28 a week later. So within something like eight to ten weeks of my amputation, I was flying again. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. So uh, you've already mentioned that you were there as a project manager with mm -hmm. Airability, uh, with the aim of doing exactly what? Well, the Douglas Barter Foundation, which was the, was the charity um, set up by Sir Douglas Barter's family uh, after he died and I'm sure some of your audience will know Douglas Barter was a, a, um, a Second World War fighter pilot. He lost his legs in a flying accident uh, in about 1933, um, double amputee, uh, but at the outbreak of Second World War he was desperate to get back into the Royal Air Force and through persistence and sheer bloody willpower 
got back to fly uh, for the RAF, flew Spitfires, um, led both a squadron and a wing, um, and became a bit of a national treasure. Um, fighter ace, was shot down, he was a POW, ended up in Colditz. Um, so a remarkable, remarkable figure and a, and a real inspiration to disabled people throughout his life. Yeah, so Sir Douglas Bard's family decided they wanted to, to um, extend his legacy and they decided they'd like to, uh, they had the idea of starting the world's first um, all disabled air display team. Never been done before, there's a team called We Fly who are fantastic guys down in Italy and they have a couple of guys who are paraplegics but they fly in a three ship with another able-bodied person. So a fully disabled airplane team had never been done before. Um, so a bit like Cinderella, uh, through our ability, we had a tryout for all the disabled uh, pilots in, uh, in the UK. All wow, how the many are there? There's not that many. I think there were a few missing I've met since then, but I think there were about 20 to 25. There's not that many. It's okay. quite a small, small sort of uh, gene pool. And uh, we all tried, uh, tried out through uh, Tour Western Flying Club. Tour Western Flying Club, uh, it's a great flying club, um, manned by BA captains who have all got... Um, Heaps of money. <laughs> well, no, but fast jet backgrounds. Most of them were Air Force. Oh, okay. A lot of them were BBMF. Um, and so they were, and they gave up their time to uh, come and assess us and then train us. And Excellent. That was absolutely fabulous. So they came down, uh, we all tried out, we did close formation in the PA-28s, and eventually they chose three of us to, uh, to fly for the team. And I was fortunate enough uh, to be chosen to lead it. So Brilliant. That was fantastic. Brilliant. So who were the other guys on your wing? Okay, on my right wing was a guy called um, Alan Robinson, and he is uh, another amputee who had a motorcycle crash, and Alan is an engineer in the Royal Air Force. Oh, right. uh, he's a sergeant on the, or a flight sergeant on the AWAC squadron at Waddington. Oh, uh, yeah. He crashed the motorbike. Yeah, that's it. He um, uh, got a flying scholarship through uh, Flying Scholarships for the Disabled and uh, did his PPL. Is that another organisation? That's another organisation, oh, right. yes. Okay. Yeah, there's a few um, organisations around there and they all kind of mesh and, and, and fit in. Um, so he got his PPL through them. Uh, he then went off and did some pretty wacky uh, microlight flying. He flew up to the Arctic Circle in a, in a microlight. What? Um, yeah, great films of them landing on skis in snow up in Sweden. Uh, really remarkable. So what? he did that. Um, <laughs> and then, and then uh, with very little flying, he was able to, he won a fly, uh, another scholarship through Prince Harry's Endeavour Trust. Um, and he was chosen to replicate World War II fighter pilot training. So they gave him, I think, 15 or 20 hours on a chipmunk to do um, tailwind training. I think he did 20 hours on a Harvard for complex aircraft and then 20 hours on the Spitfire, um, which he soloed at the Boltby Academy down at uh, Goodwood. And he was the first um, pilots, uh, amputee pilot since Sir Douglas Bader to solo the Spitfire. Wow. With about 150 hours, um, just absolutely remarkable. So he was chosen uh, to, and he was number two. And the guy on the other wing uh, was a guy called Barry Hobkirk. And Barry had, uh, effectively broken his back in a helicopter accident. He was a Chinook pilot and again a remarkable guy because uh, uh, he eventually became uh, uh, paraplegic and continued to fly in the Royal Air Force non-operationally but he was on the training squadron and he did various jobs um, for about seven or eight years afterwards as a paraplegic. Wow, he was still flying the Chinook? Still, still flying the Chinook. 
Good Lord. Well, not many people know that story. But he's a remarkable guy. Um, and he was the um, number three. And so we were chosen. Over two years, we trained with Terrestrial Flying Club and uh, eventually got our display authorizations. And we did a display season where I think we displayed at uh, six or eight airfields. That's uh, quite an achievement, isn't it? Because I don't, as you've already mentioned, there is no air, uh, formation team, sorry, anywhere in the world no, that does displays. So yeah. that for a one-off, first time ever, yeah, that's pretty remarkable. It was, it was fantastic. Um, uh, and we were very proud. I can remember the, the first show was a bit of a day like this, and it was at Duxford, first display of the season, it was May, and the 25,000 people on the ground were holding to the north of the airfield. Um, I think the blades were on, uh, having done, uh, and, and then we rolled in, and it was a perfect day, and the display all went well. And then we landed, we got a standing innovation, and I've got to say, it's one of the most, one of the best days of my life. It was a remarkable, remarkable achievement. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that. Absolutely. People yeah. say that sometimes, you know, when you close the door, it opens a window. <laughs> oh, I love that. The yep. airplane's just peed on the floor. Excellent, yeah. and we're going to talk about this in a moment. Yes. Yeah, and you certainly did uh, take advantage of uh, your new life, as it were. Well, there's no doubt, you know, I was just a, a, a very average pilot. There's no way that had I not lost my leg, I'd be ending up flying air displays. I mean, I have no, no doubts about that whatsoever. So, yeah, as one door opens, it closes, another one opens. Uh, yeah. I, I'm also, I, I do motivational speaking for, for Blessma, which is the limbless veterans charity. Um, uh, and I meet all sorts of people that I would never have met if I if I remained you know, a bipod. Oh, that's amazing. Now those displays sort of wound down. Uh, what are the around 2019? 20, yeah, yeah, 2019. Of course, COVID came in um, spring of 2020, yeah. um, and everything stopped. So we had kind of a year on the ground, kicking our heels. Um, I had quite a lot of time off because uh, we haven't talked about that side of things. When I knew that my leg was in a pretty bad way. The writing was on the walls regarding whether I'd be able to continue flying or not. And so um, I went and got myself qualifications uh, initially as a flying instructor and then teaching something called MPL, which is the multi, uh, multi-pilot course. For, you did this off your own bat? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a company called, uh, it was called CTC in those days. That's now called L3 Harris. But uh, yeah, I went and paid for all my qualifications. Um, Built up my experience, became a type rating instructor on the uh, A320, right. and then eventually a type rating examiner. And I've been doing that for about ten years now. Um, cool. So that became a kind of a second career, uh, which I could I could revert back to after my my amputation. Um, but of course that all stopped as well. So I had a, I had a year on the ground basically where there was not a lot to do. Um, and so as you do you get thinking, I think, and I'd always wanted to take Barlow's Bus Company to another level, um, but it's all to do with availability of airplanes, money, and, and it all kind of stopped. Um, so I spent that year trying to planning and think how, how could we take this thing further. Uh, talked back to the Barda Foundation again, and they were prepared to forward us some money uh, for training, and got in touch with a friend of mine um, called Jez Hopkinson, who leads the Yakovlev's displays team here at uh, How did you Pinsford. know him? <sighs> One thing I didn't tell you is that when I had the crash the first time, I ended up managing an air display team with a couple of mates um, 20 <laughs> years ago, uh, and we knew him through the air display circuit. Uh, oh. So there was, uh, so there was that. Um, uh, I don't know if you've heard of a company called Ultimate High. 
I, I've heard it. Yeah, yes, they, they do uh, corporate um, air, um, air combat experiences and that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, myself and two friends uh, set up Ultimate High 20 oh, right. years ago. I'm, I'm not involved with it anymore. So, so I, I'd had various connections. And so Jeswin was an old friend through that. And I got in touch with them because um, these were the obvious aeroplanes to fly. The, the problem with being an amputee is the toe brakes on an aeroplane are very, um, uh, are, are usually, you have to move your foot forward to do it. And mm. as you can imagine, that's not something that's possible for an Not amputee. unless you've got your heel up there and that's really going to be well, in, near, near yeah, impossible. So um, we were looking for an aircraft that, that had adapted brakes and these uh, Yakovlevs have got pneumatic brakes on the control column. So you use the rudders in the normal way, which you can with a flat leg, but the, um, the brakes are used on the control column. So I got in touch with Jez to talk to him about Yaks, and he said, look, I've got eight aeroplanes here, and we're not using them all at the same time. Why don't you just you know, rent a couple off me? And that meant that all the problems with maintenance, insurance, aircraft ownership, uh, sponsorship, funding, kind of went away, because we all and we had to do. And modifications, which would normally be a great expense. Huge. So, and what it meant is that you know, the money we had to front up with was very, very small compared to if we'd had to, to, to get that whole thing going ourselves. Um, and so we went back to the Bardock Foundation. They fronted up you know, tens of thousands of pounds to pay for our initial training. Wow. And that was in April of this year. Um, we, first of all, we had to convert onto the airplanes. And this is myself and Alan this time we was as a two ship. Um, Barry, unfortunately, wouldn't have been able to get in and out of the airplanes. So uh, okay. um, that was a shame. I was going to say, this is going to be quite different from the work you were doing in the uh, Pipers. Yeah, and Pipers was, was very close formation. I mean, we were overlapping wings sometimes, and the guys were very good, but um, that's the only way you could make it dramatic, was to be flying really close. Um, and that was just a case of doing dumbbells and things, um, changing from line of stone into echelon and Vic. Um, but there, yeah, it was limited, um, with a kind of a fleur-de-lis break at the end. This is a complete, um, we're doing kind of gentleman's aerobatics, so it's um, uh, loops, um, uh, clover leaves, uh, barrel rolls, that sort of stuff, in close formation, both in uh, echelon and, and line of stern. But these are large looping man maneuvers and they are down to 300 feet, which is oh, wow. uh, pretty serious. So we, we, the first part of the, of the display, the first four or five minutes is doing those. Uh, and then we break off, we do passes, we do hearts, we do breaks, we do um, uh, rollovers, we do you know, all, this, all the normal stuff you'd see at a mm. regular air show down to 300 feet. So um, uh, it's, a, it's a proper grown-up air display. And it has to be done to exactly the same level as everybody else because to get our DA we have to, uh, to perform to exactly the same level. And, and the training that Jez has put us through, um, it's exactly the same as his regular pilots. And indeed, the deal is that um, and I'm only living an hour down the road, is that Al and I can then uh, slip into the full air display team if we're required. Wow. Just wow. What, a, what an impressive gentleman Mike is. Absolutely. And, um, uh, yes, it, it puts everybody else's uh, uh, aches and pains and what have you into perspective, doesn't it, really? But, mm. uh, That's a bit of a rea reality check, isn't it? Goodness me, what what a brave man he is, and, and mm. the things that he's been through. And uh, but yeah, I can't wait to uh, uh, well, we conclude it with with part four, obviously, which is the the last in the series. Mm. And we're going to make it available on our YouTube channel as a 
a complete series as well but it's absolutely fascinating and i was uh, gripped just by listening to him when i was filming all this it was, uh, it was really fantastic now of course mike's uh, re heavily reliant on sponsorship and that kind of thing of course and money doesn't grow on trees we know that but uh, he does need some help so let's uh, let's go back to nick and see uh, how we can help him mike uh, if someone did want to get in touch with you how would they go about that um best way would be through the website and that's team phoenix air.com and that's phoenix p-h-o-e-n-i-x so teamphoenixair.com uh, my email address is there but also you could call me on my telephone number the uk cell number is plus four four seven nine seven three seven six two three zero one brilliant thanks and if you can spare a few pennies then i'm sure he'd be very grateful for any support you can throw his way can I just make point out as well, guys, if, if you are listening to this as an audio podcast, you mm. need to take yourselves over to the YouTube uh, show and uh, watch that back because uh, the quality of not just the mm -hmm. audio, but also the, the uh, visuals as well that Nev done on that day are stunning. So definitely take yourselves over to YouTube and uh, check out that, um, that interview on our YouTube page. Yeah, it's absolutely. Tony S is saying, lo love these interviews, great production values too. Mark Priestley has just sent a message in via the WhatsApp number as well, saying that Mike would have been a good James Bond. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> he would. He's That's a good, brilliant in a, in a James Bond. six, can't you? Or yeah. Or five or something. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I love that. I love that. Uh, if you want to get your messages into the studio, by the way, uh, by text, it's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. That's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. There you go. So it is time for our caption this just for fun part of the show. So every Wednesday on our Facebook page, we put a little picture on there <laughs> of uh, a certain sort of thing of the aviation relevance that uh, makes us all laugh. And we ask you to send in your or write down on Facebook your wittiest and funniest captions for us to sound the show. So this week, uh, the picture uh, that was chosen comes from a fairly well-known film, wouldn't you say, Nev? Mm, yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you what, this, this picture that we are going to pop up, I, I'll tell you what, it, it reminds me very much, it's a picture of its time, shall we say, because um, <laughs> there are some items in, in, in mouths and hands that yes. uh, you wouldn't normally see in a film or on television without, without any... You know, without any context, shall we say. So it's from a very iconic film. And if you were watching, uh, if you did catch it on the, the social media, then thank you for uh, the comments that you sent in. <laughs> yeah, so we had uh, so we had some comments this week on the picture. Obviously, the picture you've seen, for those of you who listen to the audio podcast, this is a, a screen snap uh, from the film uh, Airplane. And uh, this is, I think this is at the end of the, towards the end of the film there, isn't it? Where um, right, the inflatable... Yeah. Uh, first officer Otto, the uh, pilot, uh, inflates, <laughs> and uh, both him and uh, I, f I try to remember her name. I can't remember her name now. Right. But the young lady, Stuart, uh, Stuart, uh, flight attendant, I should say, flight attendant is in, yes. is in the front there, and they are both um, uh, holding a a a, a um, tobacco leaf. <laughs> um, kind of no, you item. Can, you can say cigarette. That's okay. That's, they're holding no, that's a cigarette. Still, that's still not banned. They're, they're holding a cigarette. Okay. Um, not one of my favourite things, but there we go. Yeah. Just me. Depiction uh, thereof is banned technically, but uh, as it's a historical image, I'm sure we'll be fine. Uh, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So we had uh, we had the first one in. This one was from Bob. 
Mm. And uh, he said, flight simulator from 1978, discovered in barn, crew still flying the old-fashioned way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Darry said, do you think that they bought smoking tickets? Yes. <laughs> mm. uh, ben says, anyhow, have a Winfield. That might only work in Australia, which was an 80s to 90s cigarette advert. But I sort of no, remember no, I think we Winfield yeah. here as well. Yeah, I remember that, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, John says, uh, for all our pilots in the room, uh, why have Airbus not or why have Airbus not fitted ashtrays? Good point. Mm-hmm. Well made. Well, um, they are in the back to well. I don't actually know because most airlines don't have them in the armrest now, but they still no. have the no smoking signs above your, um, your head. Well, yes, no, that is true. Uh, and uh, Richard says this pilot certainly has an inflated ego. <laughs> See what he did there? Indeed. Ha ha. What what? Yes, I still haven't seen any plane, by the way. I should stress. <laughs> oh what? I know. I, although I mean, I managed to identify the, uh, the 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 picture, but to be honest with you, the only reason I was able to identify it was from a quiz that we did with Pip years and years yes. ago. And he had clips and stuff. I think it was during the pandemic, wasn't it? When we were. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll send you my VHS of it. And you can right. Okay. If you do one I don't, thing I don't, this I don't, weekend, Mister Smith, I, I don't you need to watch this. Film. <laughs> I don't. I don't even have a DVD player anymore, Nev. I mean, I've got no hope with a VHS oh. now. <laughs> Honestly, I've, I've got a very. I've got a perfectly serviceable Blu-ray player that is under my stairs because I just can't throw it away. But I haven't I'll, got t- I'll tell you what. I've got both the blinking films on my hard drive. I'm going to put right, on a okay. blinking USB drive and. You Wait, will there were watch two them. of them. Yeah. Oh no, so there's a three, Nev. With the space uh, one. Oh, I think the our chat room folks will know, but I can't remember how many there were. Oh, yeah. dear. Oh, dear. Uh, Nick Codling is very unimpressed by the fact that you haven't seen Airplane, Matt. Right. Yes, I know. Oh, dear. There's also an older version. Tony S is suggesting that. that we screen the film at our 400th. Right, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, my idea. my understanding is that we will certainly have a very very impressive device that would enable us to do that. So, and uh, Richard Adams has said that Matt, you need to be word perfect with the film <laughs> by the four hundredth. Oh gosh, if I got to try and ram as many uh, references to it in. The, well, there's in the lots book. lots of cliches and lots lots of oh, one-liners. Oh, yes, right. okay. very much. Oh, so. Wow, yeah. it's, it's oh, a it's a it's an awesome film. It's an oh awesome dear, film. Uh, Carlos, drop it on the drive. I'll watch it. I'll drop it on the G drive, and I'll um I'll take All a right. look at it at some point <laughs> over the weekend. Anyhow, oh, moving swiftly on to uh, the military segment. Now this week, obviously, we have no Armando with us, but um, Armando has. Well, he's obviously just been ridiculously legendary as usual. Yes. And sent us in the entire military segment as a video. So, um, Matt, if you are ready to hit that uh, Dirk, Dirk S says he's going to test me on this, by the way, at the 400. I note a theme building. Uh, right, Zero Hour was the film it was based on, apparently, by the way. There yes. you are. Anyway, uh, time for the military. Here we go. <laughs> This first military story is from the aviationist.com. Last week we talked about some B-1 bombers being deployed to RAF Fairford. I'm hoping that Jonathan Warner get us some uh, good pictures out of that. But as expected, the B-1s are starting to carry out some missions across Europe. They have been deployed there for a couple of uh, days now. 
they were carrying out missions during which they were training Allied Joint Terminal Attack Controllers, or JTACs, those are people on the ground directing airstrikes over Lithuania ahead of their hot pit refueling at Spangdalem Air, Air Base. So these two particular aircraft uh, belonging to the 9th Expeditionary Bomb Squadron of the 7th Bomb Wing from Dias Air Force Base, Texas. They integrated with these coalition JTACs from Lithuania and Air Force, U.S. Air Force Special Operations Command uh, JTACs from the 352nd Special Operations Wing at Mildenhall. That they, uh, they were marking simulated ground targets for the bomber air crews. And according to a uh, press release from U.S. Air Forces in Europe, they said that this mission focused on enhancing readiness and interoperability from the controllers responsible for coordinating these airstrikes uh, to support ground forces. So after operating in the Baltic region, the, B the B-1s headed down to Spangdalem, which is home of the 52nd Fighter Wing, where the Lancers landed for the very first time. Now, Spangdalem's personnel executed hot pit refueling. Uh, hot pits are routinely conducted as they allow aircraft to rapidly refuel without powering down the engines. Um, this increases their operational readiness, re reduces the amount of time needed to get the aircraft back into action. Now, in this case, the 52nd Fighter Wing Airmen employed the new Versatile Integrating Partner Equipment Refueling, or Viper Kit. Uh, this Viper Kit system is part of the Agile Combat Employment Capabilities. Um, it functions as a universal fuel adapter, and it enables the bomber's ability uh, to land and operate from austere airfields at any forward staging location. So along with the uh, B-1's first landing at Spangdalem, the use of the Viper kit, um, there was an AFWorks uh, spark tank. So this is kind of an, an initiative generator that received uh, $1.2 million in funding to complete this project in, in January of this year. And it, this marked the first time that the refueling system was actually used outside of F-16 uh, Falcons, especially in the US Air Forces in Europe. Um, now, we've got some images. Those images are from Adrian Sturmer on Facebook, and those were taken at Spangdalem Air Base. Now, we've, I've mentioned this every time we talk about refueling. One of the things, it just melts my mind, the refueling an aircraft while it's moving. You just sort of, you know, bring something in line, uh, top, top it up a bit, and then they can carry on for another sort of, you know, uh, 2,000, 3,000 miles or whatever it is. Yeah. It's just like, I, it, it just melts my mind. It really does. And not forgetting as well, that's one of uh, Jonathan Warner's favourite aircraft. Is it right? Yeah. Okay, I didn't. I thought. I thought the colour grey was his favourite. Well, yeah. To million, be fair, any military million, aircraft is Jonathan Warner's favourite. So. Uh, a very good. Uh, a very good evening to Airshow World, by the way, who's just joined us, uh, and GB Hello, Air Show World. and everyone and all that. So, thank you for joining us in time for Armando to share with us the military. As I say, I love refueling. I just it's it's one of the few things that I would be willing to get in an aircraft for. To to witness to watch yeah. to watch i would yeah. love to see that how it I, do you know what i think it is also is it's that precision flying again it's that precision flying where you know they're lining themselves up uh to do that it's saying they're saying i'm amazed that the usaf don't use universal refueling equipment anyway but the americans like to do things differently to us don't they it's just like you know why use a universal system when you can make up your own special one um but uh was it U uk is the leader in refueling cobham what's that what's uh, cobham what am, I, what am i missing there what's that is that a, a base yeah yeah we, yeah. I mean, we were we, we were the best at refueling and then they got rid of the tristar and then it's all just gone to pot but anyway <laughs> uh the next story uh from uh, armando is yes. 
Uh, they're currently rotting at bloody... Uh, oh, sorry, p- pardon my French, sorry. <laughs> they're all currently rotting at blinking oh. Bruntingthorpe on the uh, airfield yes. there now. Yeah. Total waste of... Anyway, I'm not going to yeah. get into that. No, no, so the next story from Armando is all about a particular aircraft that I was very... Oh, Cobham uh, is a company, apparently, by the way. Uh, and, and it's now to, called um, uh, Draken. Sorry. I was very lucky to uh, to get a tour around this at this particular um, oh, okay. aircraft um, before Armando um, went back to the US. But anyway, this is all about the AC-130. Oh, nice. This next military story is from thedrive.com. The AC-130J gunship's first solid-state laser weapon has arrived for testing. The U.S. Air Force has taken d- delivery of the first prototype airborne high-energy laser, or because we love acronyms, the AHEL. Uh, this is set to be flight tested on one of its AC-130J Ghost Rider gunships next year. The U.S. Air Force hopes to demonstrate the feasibility of adding this directed energy weapon to the AC-130J's already very diverse arsenal, which would give these aircraft a unique capability to engage ground targets silently and stealthily. Lockheed Martin confirmed yesterday that it had completed factory acceptance testing for this AHEL and then turned the weapon over to the U.S. Air Force. The laser will now need to be integrated together with the beam control system, after which ground testing will take place ahead of the installation of the complete weapon system onto the AC-130J. According to a statement from Lockheed Martin, they said the completion of this milestone is a tremendous accomplishment for our customer. These mission success milestones are a testament of our partnership with the U.S. Air Force in rapidly achieving important advances in laser weapon system development. Our technology is ready for fielding today. So this all came from a 2019 contract where Lockheed Martin has been working to integrate, test, and demonstrate this new directed energy weapon on the AC-130J. That is also according to a company release. And they also noted that it's now on a rapid schedule to continue this testing this capability. This entire project is a joint service effort. And in July of this year, the Lockheed Martin's Acculite Corporation um, received a new $12 million five-year contract award from the Naval Surface Warfare Center in Dahlgren um, for technical services, integration, test, and demonstration of the AHEL to the Navy. Now, SOCOM has repeatedly said that this is going to be a 60-kilowatt class laser. There are some reports that it may actually be a little bit higher than that. The flight testing is, is supposed to kick off somewhere in fiscal year 22, which starts October of 2021, which is right now. Um, now, the AC-130J already has a pretty impressive arsenal, as I said. It's got a 105-millimeter howitzer. Um, it's basically a towed gun, usually on the ground, but they've modified it for aircraft use. Um, it also includes a 30-millimeter GAU-23. It's a Bushmaster cannon. The aircraft can carry uh, Hellfire missiles, small diameter bombs, uh, Viper strike missiles, um, small glide munition bombs, as well as Griffins, all via these common launch tubes. And now if they get a laser, um, it's going to be a pretty capable platform. So we'll see how this turns out in the near future. 
Every time I hear the word laser, I can't help myself. I immediately think of... Um, Dr. Evil. Aust- yeah, Do- Dr. Evil and Austin Powers every time I hear that. Some of those pictures, I'm so- I know I know that this has absolutely got nothing to the- do with the story as well. And thank you, Armando, because a genuinely a really interesting story. What, air- what so- aircraft with lasers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The C-130 <laughs> with what-, what can only describe looked like it was part of, uh, you know, like like a mock-up or something for Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? Mm. With the green lasers and stuff like that. Oh, I don't know. I, I suppose it's. Um, I mean, lasers are, are genuinely becoming a bit of a thing, aren't they? I mean, we, we, we've been using them to make stuff and burn stuff, you know, and write things and all that kind of thing. I mean, they're getting quite powerful now that you can actually, you know, sort of, you know, use them in the, you know, like they like they burning do in the stuff. films, burning stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great uh, great bit of technology, I think. I tell you, I honestly, I couldn't thank Amanda enough for we, me and Gemma had, uh, or me, Gemma, and my dad had our own personal, oh yeah, personal tour around and inside the AC one thirty. Yeah, and it was absolutely. it was mega. I tell you, you sort of forget, anyway. You, yeah, you sort of forget what what a you know what Armando did really. You know, I mean, we I know, we, we know I him know. now as just a you know a you know a, a pilot basically, you know, commercial <laughs> pilot, but. Uh, yeah, it's uh, but then I suppose many many have the same story, don't they? Where they leave the military and go into commercial flying. Yeah. Mm. So this next one from Armando is uh, we're going to Australia actually for this next one. This is all about the Royal Australian Navy, and uh, they had one of their MH sixty Rs that ditched. Well, this next military story is from smh.com.au. Uh, an Australian Navy helicopter has crashed into the Philippine Sea. The Royal Australian Navy has grounded its entire fleet of MH60Rs, uh, Seahawk helicopters, as, as one of these aircraft crashed just in the last few days. Uh, three Navy personnel on board the helicopter suffered minor injuries. They're all now safe after ditching the aircraft during this routine flight on Wednesday night. The, air, the, air, the helicopter was operating from the uh, destroyer HMAS Brisbane, as part of a deployment with the uh, HMAS Waramunga uh, when the crew conducted an emergency landing in the water. The Defense Minister Peter Dutton has confirmed that the Brisbane was nearby and rescued the three crew members. He also said that the investigation will urgently uh, will be urgently conducted to assess what went wrong. He did say that uh, they want to learn from lessons, uh, learn lessons from this mishap. Uh, the commander of the Australian fleet, Rear Admiral Mark Hammond, uh, commended the crews of both ships involved for their quick response to this emergency. He said that the successful rescue is credit to the devotion to duty and skill of the officers and sailors of the HMAS Brisbane. Their immediate actions ensured the survival of the aircrew, validating the significant training undertaken in the event of emergency of this kind of, of, of nature. Uh, both ships are continuing their search of the area for any debris that will aid in determining the cause of the incident. Um, with the aircrew safe, investigating the circumstances that led to the helicopter ditching is their priority, according to Rear Admiral Hammond. Now, all this just comes uh, comes just days after the United States approved a possible foreign military sales deal of additional MH-60R helicopters to Australia. The U.S. State Department approved this FMS sale to Australia of 12 uh, multi-mission uh, helicopters for an estimated cost of $985 million. Now, this move would allow the Royal Australian Navy to have a single helicopter type in its fleet, which, of course, would ease maintenance. 
Um, the Royal Australian Navy already has 24 in service and they've been delivered since 2013 and 2016. So um, as usual, we're, we're glad that the crew is safe and we'll stand by to hear what happens um, from the investigation. I mean, it always amazes me with any of any things like this that there are survivors at all, especially with a, a helicopter. I suppose that's one of the big issues, isn't it, with these helicopters? Is it's like literally, if something goes wrong with it and it, you know things stop spinning for whatever reason, they essentially become a dead weight, don't they? <gasps> God, you can't say that. You can't say Is that it... to a to a helicopter pilot on the show on the maybe watching. They auto rotate, Matt. You know that. No, they I don't. What, what, what does that mean? What do you mean? Well, that's where the rotors kind of go into, they go into a, a kind of a, a, a slow spin and it, it gently, you know, oh, okay. the helicopter gently right. comes so even, even if you, even if you have like a, like a gearbox failure, I, not that that's what's happening. I don't know, in that, know, in that but, respect, no. You know, but we, you, we need to get a, a helicopter pilot on the show to explain yeah. it to us. Uh, yeah. Dirk S is saying in chat room, the airflow spins the rotors, apparently. That's so. it, that's the one. Right, okay, yeah. It, uh, I mean... To be fair, the uh, the the MH60 or, or uh, the UH60, uh-huh. as they're referred to as well, that is a very tough helicopter. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, um, does put up with a, quite a lot of um, banging, I should mm. say, and damage and stuff. But yes, but, as, as Armando says, absolutely amazing. You know, congrat. You know, well done to all the you know the teams involved yeah. in there. You know, that could have been so much more serious. Uh, well, I mean, it is a serious incident. Obviously, it is a serious but it, incident, but it could yeah, be more. Yeah. You know, it. it it could have had a, a far less satisfactory ending, shall we say. So the last video we've got uh, on the selection from Armando this week, and this is uh, this is actually really good. This is all about uh, the Wright Brothers replica. Oh, nice. Okay, this last military story isn't actually a military story. I just thought it was a cool one to add in here. This is from the Dayton Wright Brothers airport in Miamisburg, Ohio. There is an organization there called the Wright B Flyer Incorporated, which maintains a museum dedicated to the legacy of the Wright brothers. Now, as part of this effort, they built and maintained an aircraft back in the 70s, which mimics the appearance of the famous Wright Model B biplane from 1910. Now, this aircraft, they've, they've taken it all over the state, the nation, and actually the entire globe to provide the public with a clear idea of aviation's early beginnings the importance of the Wright brothers, and of course, the importance of the state of Ohio in aviation. However, many years after the the operation of this first aircraft, their their first Wright Model B flyer, nicknamed the Brownbird, was, according to them, reaching the end of its economic operability. So over the last five years, museum volunteers, other contributors have been working hard to build an airworthy replacement for their Brownbird. as of October 2nd, 2021, they successfully completed the first test flight of this new aircraft, dubbed the Whitebird, that was there in Miamisburg, Ohio. Uh, Brigadier General Jay Jabour, uh, Air Force retired, performed this initial flight, and the museum will continue to make further tests um, to uh, satisfy the requisite FAA, Federal, Administra- Federal Aviation Administration conditions for its uh, issuance of the airworthiness certificate. Now. According to the board's president, Don Adams, um, he said that they're thrilled with the successful first flight of our Whitebird, and he'd like to thank the dedicated volunteers for their countless hours designing, fabricating, and building this new airplane. This aircraft will allow us to continue to provide education and entertainment locally, nationally, and internationally, sharing the story of the the Wright brothers and the invention of manned-powered flight. 
Now this organization, the Right B Flyer Inc. is an all volunteer membership based non-for-profit corporation located at the Dayton Wright Brothers Airport near Dayton, Ohio. Uh, the group flies the one Model B lookalike during the summer months and the hangar doubles as a museum. If you want more information on that, visit uh, www.right-b-flyer.org. I mean, again, it's such a cool uh, little aircraft here. Richard Adams is being very cheeky in the chat room, by the way, suggesting uh, that this was Captain Jeff's trainer aircraft. I think that's perhaps a bit rude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Never mind, day. Eh? I'm sure they always they always get on to poor Jeff about his uh, about the aircraft <laughs> that he flies. I mean, very... it's bad enough when he flew the Mad Dog, and now now he's flying uh, the seven one seven. They yeah. they still have a go at him about it. Well, quite, yes. <laughs> uh, Nev in the chat room was suggesting that I thought it was his current aircraft. Uh, <laughs> oh, did I write that? Sorry, uh, I you just did, thought yes, it. Absolutely. I didn't mean to write it. <laughs> <laughs> the words just fell out of your fingertips, eh? Yes. Uh, there we go, yes. So that is the military for this week. Thank Big you. Big thank Armando. you. Yeah, yeah, thanks yeah. to Armando for that, for putting all that together. Yeah, um, definitely. He's probably, uh, he's probably either still in the air or <laughs> yeah. landing, or he could possibly Who be knows? on the on an ILS approach right now, we, we just don't know. Um, and please, Armando, if you are flying, just don't bother messaging us in the group chat because, you know, <laughs> concentrate, concentrate. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he yes. will. Uh, yeah, do, Mind do... you, knowing Armando, he'll be hanging out the window and doing selfies and, you know. I doubt that somewhere. Anyway. <laughs> Safety is very important in the world. I know, I know, absolutely. I know. And obviously, don't forget, if you do if you do come to our 400th, you will have a very rare opportunity to meet the legend that is Armando. Yes. Uh, along with a few uh, other American friends. Uh, he, will, so, he will be yeah. doing an autograph signing. That, will that, he? Uh, All right, well, okay. So, we'll have yeah. to get him to write a book that, that we need to get him to sign. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's it, yeah, going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be lots of... Uh, Great people there by all yes, accounts. So really very forward much to looking forward to it. Yeah, so if you haven't done so already, register your interest straight away. Uh, yes. we need, yeah, you, the, the only way to register your interest, by the way, is by email. You need to send in to us, uh, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. We've actually had some come in while we've been on the air we as have. well, which is great. So podcast at plaintalkinguk.com is how you register your interest to participate in our 400 so show. So when you do uh, send your email in, uh, we will reply, one of the team will reply, and uh, we'll send you Nev's special link so you can uh, book that all-important hotel. special link, eh? Yeah, it's a special link. So, and a special what have you been doing, well, Mr. Not that one. <laughs> not, not that one. I was no. say. We, <laughs> Mr. Bowne secured a very special promo code that you can use on said link to book your hotel yeah, uh, at Brooklyn's, uh, the Brooklyn's Hotel. And uh, you get a nice little discount. And also, one of the good things that uh, that was sorted out with uh, Nev and the hotel is that uh, it's, uh, was it cancer? That you can cancel it up to the yes, up to two p.m. on the day, yes. which uh, oh, wow, that, okay. that, that rate uh, is not available on any of the other systems. I don't think so. If you use that rate, you'll see it come up as once you put it in when you check out, you'll see it comes up as plain talking yeah. UK. Yeah, uh, but you can actually cancel that right up until and you get a breakfast Nev. minute, and you get breakfast yeah. as well. Yes. and you haven't got to pay up front either, so you only pay when you leave when the you hotel. Check in, yeah, yeah. So it's all good. So if you're listening. To to the audio version of this show uh later on in the week uh don't forget uh, to register your uh, your interest in that so we can put you on 
the VIP guest, the guest list. list you absolutely. are all VIPs. Yeah, indeed. Uh, okay, uh, there's uh, that's it. If we need to uh, start wrapping up, who's going to do Don't. all the socials Nev. this week? Go on, Nev. Do the socials, Nev. Well, it's the usual, isn't it? But you can uh, contact us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Uh, just search for Plain Talking UK. Uh, WhatsApp number, uh, plus 44 757 229166. Podcast at com is the email. And the website is com. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll get notifications when we go live and you can help shape the conversation of the show by joining us in the chat room, as many people have uh, tonight. So you can go to youtube.com and search for Plain Talking UK. Also, if you want to go to our website, there's an Amazon link on there. We get uh, paid a small referral fee. So if you want to do your shopping uh, via our website using the, the Amazon link on there, please do so. Also, you can become a Patreon as well. Uh, of the show and contribute which helps us keep the show running and you can do that also from our website uh, so uh, folks what's on next week's show well well next week <laughs> yes. um, we um, will not be here no um, due to uh, slight operational um, difficulties in that I will be in Malta Matt will be somewhere else in the UK I, I should be in the Cotswolds with no in the Cotswolds yeah Nev will be all doing something Business like flying somewhere or jetting across to uh, his stately manor on his private jet, and uh, Armando also yes, is. He's already he already week. gave us. You can say he gave us his um, apologies at the start of the show, didn't he? Shock horror! Yeah. this is a first, I think, or a second. Maybe, a second. I, I say the first one was when my car caught fire, wasn't it? That yeah. was we didn't do the show that week, so uh, we won't be here mm. next Friday. I'm really sorry. We all the team are really sorry. We are mm. very sorry indeed. But um, but I will have a good. Um, um, Carlos stroke Nev passenger experience uh, to bring you when I get back because yeah, I'm flying absolutely. Jet 2 for the first time Ooh, exciting ever. stuff indeed. indeed so that's it that is where we're going to bring episode 388 to a close big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the chat room tonight uh, all the usual family members in there big thank you to you for all for joining us on the show this evening don't forget to uh, to register your interest for the 400th if you're coming uh we'd love to hear from you and uh, don't forget to tune in in two weeks time where we all the team hopefully will be back here uh on the show and um, <laughs> richard adams is saying but the week after it'll be a four-hour special right no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tony s is, is warning them of my arrival that tony s that, that <laughs> malta does not need to be notified of my arrival yeah. They are I, waiting I think he was me. actually saying he's going to w- uh, warn uh, the border agency of Dirk's arrival. Oh, right. Oh, I see. oh, oh, oh no, Dirk. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Lee Davis also said it's the first shock was actually that you were on time and with no problems this week. I mean, mm. how, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Anyway. Anyway, yeah. I need to get back to controlling London oh, Heathrow oh, because it's right. obviously, you know, not coping with not a lot going right. on okay. uh, this good. evening yeah. behind me there. Okay. Uh, so have a fantastic weekend. I'm, we're going to leave uh, the last word to uh, Nev to sign off. Well, thanks very much uh, for joining us this evening, folks. Uh, sorry we're not here next week, but we're just all in different places and we can't make it all align, unfortunately. But no. never mind. We should be back with the following week with part four, which is the final part of the Mike Wildman interview as well. So definitely stay tuned for that. Thanks very much and have a nice weekend. Bye.